The Guardian. Lunch with the Hung family in Würzburg, Bavaria. We're eating it first. Um, it's a. It's called wedding soup. It's a soup with um, Leberknödel. It's um, liver dumplings, I think. Yeah, and uh, beef. They're a large family, and the area is affluent. Even the area around like 20, 30 kilometers around. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of yeah, rich people like as Oliver and Knauf. He does like uh, when you go and build houses. And um, I think the, the unemployment rate is like normal for Germany. Mm-hmm. So, have they noticed the recession? Yes and no, because like um, my mother, she worked um, in the American hospital. So she had a quite... Um, safe position but not americans they all left germany so um she's unemployed since a year almost but i was a trainee for or i went to norsen school so you didn't you know notice the uh, crisis really the experiences of the hung family in the german state of bavaria seem quite tame compared to the rising costs of living and high unemployment that have become a daily reality in other parts of europe After the world financial crash of 2008, the European Union has been buffeted by debt crises in Ireland and in Greece. In order to bail them out, the continent turned to its major creditor, Germany. I'm John Henley, and in the first of this special series of Focus podcasts as part of The Guardian's Europe season, we'll be looking at how the German economy has stood up to the crisis and what lies ahead for a country famed for its resilience and its industry. We'll examine Germany's position at the heart of the European project and how its government has reacted to a new reality of bailouts and migration. Joining me in the studio to talk about what's been lauded as one of the good news stories of Europe is The Guardian columnist Martin Kettle, our environment and business writer Fiona Harvey, and the London-based correspondent for the Financial Times Deutschland, Sebastian Borger. Welcome to all of you. Um, Sebastian, we'll start with you, if we may. We heard there from quite a well-to-do family in Bavaria, and we'll be hearing more from them uh, later in the programme. But, I mean, is it fair to say that Germany has been shielded from the worst of the financial crisis? Well, I suppose it's been much easier for Germany to deal with it because our banking system wasn't quite as badly exposed um, than the British or the Irish or... The American system. Apart from that, I think the, um, the the downturn of the economy was more or less even to France, Britain, to to, to the countries that we'd normally compare ourselves to. Mm. I mean, is it even possible to talk about Germany as a whole? Have there been sort of regional variations? How important is the fact that Germany is divided into quite distinct? Uh, you know, uh, lender. Very important. I mean, you, I don't know why you've picked a family from Bavaria, but of course Bavaria is one of the success stories of, of the last 50 years, uh, a backward rural uh, part of Germany, which has been transformed by high-tech industries. Generally, the south of the country is, is faring much better. Um, Baden-Württemberg on the southwest, Bavaria on the southeast, and Hessen on top, which we, we Frankfurt as the um, financial capital. And then, of course, we're supporting um, large swathes of, of um, the former um, communist um, East Germany. I mean, what powers do the, do the, do the decentralised sort of governments have um, economically? 
Is there really room for them to intervene and make a difference? Oh, very much so. I mean, they, they get about half the tax take um, of the state. So, so they've got money to play with. Hmm. Um, and they do that in, in different ways. And um, I mean, part of the, um, I suppose, part of the success of the southern st- uh, states was that they have had very stable government. I hesitate to, to say it, it's, it's, it was the uh, centre-right governments for, for t- 20 or 30 years. Fiona, if we, if we look back to 2008 and the, 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 you know, the onset of the, of the crisis, how did the German government react to the crash? Was it, was it different to the way that other European governments responded? wasn't all that different in, in some ways. Um, obviously, the German government uh, knew they, they had to respond. Um, and there was a sort of, there was at a, at a European level, also there was a, a, an, an attempt at a concerted uh, response. But the German government was in a rather better position, in part because, as we've just heard, they were uh, less reliant on the, the casino uh, banking system that was uh, in operation in, in, for instance, particularly in the UK and Ireland and so on. Um, also, very importantly, uh, German uh, households, German consumers, had taken on a great deal less debt than they had in some other countries. Um, if you look at the UK, for instance, um, you know, households were, were you know, up to their ears uh, and beyond. Uh, households had bor- borrowed more than, uh, much more than, than their own income. Um, but in Germany, uh, historically, there's been a great reluctance uh, for households to take on uh, debt. And that actually proved to be um, a very stabilising effect during the crisis. Mm. Okay, well, let's listen to now to, to Wolfgang Schäuble, who's the Federal Minister of Finance, um, speaking about German government policies uh, in Davos in 2011, earlier this year. A half year ago, I was, uh, Germany was always criticised that we would uh, destroy growth in, in Germany, in Europe and all, all over in, in the global economy by uh, reducing our deficit. For Germany, cited that reducing deficit it's a precondition for sustainable growth. And as you can see, in, in, in last year we were successful in, in, and we will go on. And I think major risk, the forecast for global economy is that we would uh, face the danger to get another crisis like in 2008. We had two main reasons, two less regulation and two high deficits and too and, and much liquidity. And therefore we have to go on in fighting the main reasons for the crisis in 2008, and we must not uh, forget, we must have to stick to the lesson we learned in 2009, and we must not lose the momentum. No, so, yeah, deficit reduction, top of the list then. Were they fast enough? Were they decisive enough? You could argue um, that they were a little bit slow, um, as were you know, all governments, as, uh, as you know, we emerged from this shocking crisis that you know, really took uh, a lot of people uh, totally by surprise. Looking back, you can actually see that uh, compared with other European governments, um, they did take action fairly swiftly. And actually, you know, this kind of emphasis on, on deficit reduction is something that you've seen across the board. But in Germany, um, it was more systematic in some ways. And also, it appears to have been more successful. If I may say yeah. so, I thought the, 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 the criticism of the German government in not reacting quickly enough mm-hmm. was initially with a stimulus. Yes. The stimulus came late compared to Britain and, and, and America. The stimulus came late. They, they, then they, they pulled back 
fairly swiftly, I thought, and, and I mean, uh, Merkel was constantly harangued by Brown uh, uh, that, that she was um, pulling back the stimulus too early um, and, and softly spoken to by, by Obama. Um, <laughs> so um, I think they were, in a way, it, it, was, a, it was quite a risk they were running in, in, in pulling back the, the stimulus um, so early. Martin, an, an un- unlikely bit of German risk-taking? Well, I, I think it was a balance, wasn't it? I mean, the, uh, Germany is not a risk taker on, on, the, on the international level. It's a very stable society with a very stable economy. And that's these are the points we've mm. all, all, all been making. Um, but it is exposed to the, to, to the banking crisis and it was exposed to uh, in, international recession. And in fact, I think from its own point of view, and that's a recurrent theme in uh, the current conversations about which way Germany is going, from its own point of view, um, the, the slightly cautious approach to the stimulus uh, after 2008 and now and the the pullback, uh, the relatively rapid pullback, was uh, quite a quite a shrewd move. And actually, I mean, if you look at this state of the German economy, I mean, obviously, it's it's not out of the wood. Uh, at all, uh, but it is growing, uh, and uh, perhaps not as fast as it may have looked as though it was uh, at the start of the year. Uh, unemployment, which has been very high in Germany, uh, relatively mm-hmm. relative to this country uh, over a very long period, has fallen now to under eight percent. I think seven, you know, and seven which, which I think is about the lowest it's been for at least mm. twenty years. Yeah. So, I mean, that is a. You know that is a that's a good thing for for, yeah. ger- for Germans, and uh, that you ought to see a sense of optimism. What you don't, but the interesting thing to me, having just been in Germany last week uh, for the first time for a, a few months, is that I didn't think there was much optimism around. There's a real, they don't real do happy. Well, uh, do they? They, they they don't overreact to it to a monthly indicator. <laughs> so let's just look a little bit at the at the actual makeup of that economy. I mean, Fiona, how is it? made up and why what are the what are the components of it that meant that it was intrinsically less likely to be affected well one we've touched on which is um that uh, germany is less dependent on the financial sector than uh, say ireland was than uh, iceland etc and, and also than the uk it's managed to retain a, a balanced economy um, by keeping an emphasis on some of the more traditional industries uh, like you know manufacturing and it has a very diverse manufacturing sector. Uh, we just heard about some of the problems that the, you know, when coal and steel uh, started to, to experience problems, when those industries uh, were showing signs of decline uh, by bringing in new mm. high-tech industries, everything from uh, sort of green industries. Uh, Germany's got a, uh, had until recently a very thriving uh, sort of a green economy, but also, uh, you know, traditional uh, heavy industry manufacturing uh, and so on. Mm. Um, and also Germany, in some respects, hasn't been shy about subsidising some of its uh, declining industries in order to even out uh, that decline and allow new industries time to, to bed in. And that is in contrast to, say, if you look at uh, you know, Britain in the 1980s, uh, when you know, there were those well, extraordinary... State intervention was really a, a dirty word. Okay, um, time to go back to the Hung family, I think. Um, Thinking about the cultural aspects that may play into Germany's economic performance, we asked Gertraut, who's the grandmother in the family, whether the hardship of the post-war years may have at least helped the older generation to prepare for tough times. 
when I was born, it, everything was messed up and... When were you born? Um, 48. It was uh, the year of recall veil. Yeah, the, the, whole, the currency reform. The whole reform. money was yeah. gone and they have nothing. And, and my, my oldest sister was born uh, in the Great German resilience, uh, as we were talking about earlier. Um, Martin, I mean, I, you know, I, uh, Fiona touched on it earlier, but I think there is something very, very deep-rooted in the German mentality, in, in German culture, which it's worth considering when we're talking about how countries are bouncing back. How, how important is that, do you think? Well, I think it is important, and, and it's it's kind of easy also to to kind of get it down off the shelf as an explanation of how, how Germany is behaving because it's there and it's often said that Germany has this tremendous collective memory of the first half of the 20th century not just the the devastation after the Second World War and the Third Reich but going back further to the Weimar Republic and the debauching of the currency uh, in the 1920s and all those famous stories about people uh, bringing their salary home in wheelbarrows and so on uh, at lunchtime and then going back to get another <laughs> lot in the evening. And it was uh, worthless the next morning. And it was, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, kind of Zimbabwe uh, would be the modern uh, equivalent, I suppose, that, that we would uh, have some familiarity with. Uh, who am I to, 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 to say that's not true? I mean, somebody once said to me about, about the, you know, if you want to understand the difference between Britain and Germany and its attitude to credit, it's that in Britain, the people run up credit and the government doesn't get into debt. But in Germany, the people don't get into debt, but the government is, pre is prepared to borrow. And there is some truth in that as a kind of neat syllogism, as a, as a kind of instinctive way of dealing with things. But Germany is a very settled society. You know, people don't, don't move around the, the, uh, the country mm. to the extent that they do here. We've said politically it's a decentralised country. It's also economically and socially a decentralised country. People are, are Bavarians or they're Berliners or uh, strong the, sense Saxons. of regional identity. They, are, they have a very strong sense of regional identity and very often they don't move all that far from where they were born. Mm. Britain is a, obviously completely different in that respect in that everything is constantly under pressure to be sucked into the southeast mm. and, 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 and the rest of the country is, a bit of a, is seen as a bit of a kind of problem by London because London's prosperous and dynamic mm. and everywhere else mm. is... Firm so, foundations. Very really firm foundations. Yeah. In a way, you know, it's a, it's, it's a very solid... Very rural, important to mm. remember that, how rural Germany is. Um, and also, you know, very bourgeois. Mm. I mean, very settled, uh, small communities, mm. people know each other, um, you know, and, and, and hence you get into, that's where this other very important debate that's going on at the moment about multiculturalism and, in, mm. and, and uh, immigration yes, we'll, and we'll, so on, we'll which will come on, on to, in a bit, yeah. kind of impacts. Yes. Yeah, so Fiona... There have been a couple of very concrete constitutional changes, in fact, that have been have been pushed through as a result of the crisis, haven't they? Yes. So um, there's been a, a change, which now means that um, uh, the kind of deficit that we were running in the UK, for instance, would now be effectively illegal. 
in Germany. And this is quite a, a big change to actually not just have that as a matter of policy that, you know, whatever government was, was voted in could decide upon, mm. to actually have it, you know, set down as, as a requirement. That's a very That's radical completely step. Mad. Completely mad. Why is completely it mad, Sebastian? Well, because you don't want it in the Constitution. You want to, particularly in a, in a, in a country which, as we all, I think, agree, it has this ingrained um, uh, aversion to too much debt anyway, compared to a lot of our neighbours, not just Britain. Um, to put it in the Constitution and, and therefore uh, m- make it, uh, you know, put it in, in, in stone is, I think, completely mad. You know, you, you want politicians to react. That, that was what, what, what we talked about earlier. When the crisis broke, it, they were quite slow, and, mm. and Gordon Brown was much quicker off the mark. We were quite lucky to get away with it. Who knows what will happen in, in, in two months, two years, um, two decades' time? We may well have to borrow again, and, and, and then it's in the Constitution. There's, there's no way of doing it. Silly. So it might, they might be storing up trouble for the future. Absolutely. Yeah. It must be then also be particularly galling, Martin, the fact that you know Germany has written these rules and and in effect put its own house in 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 order at least for the for the time being. Um, then to be asked effectively to be um, the banker uh, and the bailout merchant for for European countries that manifestly haven't put their house in order. Well, I mean, that's a huge uh, international issue uh, because of the currency, and it's a huge issue for Germany because, as you say, Germany underwrites the currency. The more that the currency comes under threat uh, in the periphery, uh, in, the, in the Mediterranean countries, uh, as we all know, in Greece and, and uh, Spain and Portugal potentially, and, of course, in Ireland, it's the German taxpayer who, in the end, is uh, believes that he and she is... Uh, paying for all of this. And um, I think if that becomes the perception uh, in, in a very negative way, that, that, that could be quite a dynamic if, uh, thing in German politics. My sense is that Germans actually ha- have a sense of acceptance of their, their role in Europe. That, Historically you know, they are large, they are, role. That they are large, rich, successful, uh, and they set the rules. It's a bit irritating that, that these other countries don't quite play by the rules. But, you know, the rules are important. And Europe is a project in which Germany is very heavily invested in all kinds of ways, not just financially, but emotionally, politically, mm. historically, almost every way you yeah. can think of. So there's no real debate about Germany, about Europe in Germany. I mean, there is oh, def- there's plenty of there's debate, an argument about it's the not, Euro. It's not the debate that you have here Absolutely about in not, and out, yeah. which, yeah, is, exactly. which is madness because we couldn't be out, could yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. Because we're bang in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian, is it? I mean, it, it, do you see long-term problems if Germany has to continue pumping money into the into the system? Yes, but also I see long-term problems because people don't explain the, 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 the tremendous benefits we've had from European integration in general, from the euro in particular. Yeah. I just want to touch on one thing briefly um, that's quite unusual about the German economy. Uh, it's not just the country's ability to produce that's such a big part of its resilience, is it? It's not just the, the huge producers, the big companies that everybody knows about. But the, the backbone of the German economy is the Mittelstand. Uh, it's this, this huge sector that employs more than 70% of German workers, makes up about half of GDP. Um, and it's just not really a concept that we have over here, is it? 
No, in, in the UK, you think of big business, and, and that's generally what it means. It's, it's a very sort of polarised thing in, in, in the UK. I mean, you do still have a lot of sort of medium-sized companies in the UK, but they don't tend to be thought of as a block, uh, which, which they are in, in Germany. Um, and I think this is, you know, if we're talking about the stability of Germany, um, I think this is a very stabilising effect, um, because uh, these companies, they're, they're sort of below the multinational level generally, although um, contrary to perception, many of them actually have... Uh, interests abroad. They have investments in other countries, which again is quite unusual for, for companies at that mm. sort of medium-sized level to have such uh, widespread interests uh, overseas. And again, that can be quite stabilising. More to the point also, it, the, the, the Mittelstand um, is seen uh, politically as being very important. Mm. Um, and so it has a sort of a, a recognisable role mm. or, or is seen as having a role. And it's also something that distinguishes it, I think, particularly from uh, similar companies in, in the UK, is its willingness to invest. You get uh, companies that, uh, you know, uh, might be quite sort of localised. They may only have a few uh, hundred or a few thousand mm. uh, employees, um, but they're willing to um, apply a lot of their profits back into investments for the future. And if you look at those investment levels, you see nothing like that uh, in the UK. That's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure that, that, that must come down, I guess, to, to this, what we were, culturally at least, to what we were talking about earlier, Martin, this, this feeling of sort of solidity and firm foundations. And An- Another distinctive feature of the German, of, of the German economic model you know, is, is the fact that there is uh, work, uh, company-wide uh, consultation and, and, mm. and uh, joint governance to, su- to some degree, um, in a kind of industrial democracy which, a less conflictual we, which we don't have in this mm. country. And it does enable companies uh, to, ad- to adapt to, to, to circumstances, to consult, and people do take wage cuts to see companies through and get rewarded in better times. No. I mean, that's a slightly idealistic way of, lo- of, of posing it, but, it, but, it, but the, it's another source of stability. Mm. And it's, it's very, it's, uh, as Fiona says, absolutely central to the way in which um, companies uh, think, operate and, and plan. And it, it is just not like the Thatcherite model, um, in, which, which dominates our discourse. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think for British listeners who sort of think that that's how businessmen and businesswomen have to be, that they have to be uh, Thatcherite in their mentality, which is very much the view of a lot of British uh, business leaders, it's just not true. No. You go to Germany and you see a completely different way of thinking about how a good business can operate. And a highly successful one. And a that's highly it. successful yeah. one. Let, let's move on. One of the factors, is that one of the threads that we hope to be following through with this whole series of podcasts, we'll be going after this to, to France uh, and then to Spain and also to Poland, um, is the, the, the role of the state, um, obviously radically different um, from country to country, particularly in, in Britain, where, of course, the state has pretty much been shrinking at an unprecedented rate. Now let's hear from Anita from the Hung family talking briefly about the question of unemployment benefit. Do you feel supported by the German state? Well, yes and no, it depends. Um, they support you, yes. Hartz um, Fia? I don't so know. Hartz Fia is the name for the welfare reform, yeah? Yeah, it's, um, it's unemployment money, but after a year you go in Hartz Fia, first you get Arbeitslosengeld 1 and 2. It's the unemployment money, and it's higher. It's, I think, like 60% of your last payment you got when you still was working and after a year if you don't find a new job you 
automatically go to Hartz IV, and Hartz IV is like, I don't know, 400, 500 euros. It's really not much. So, Sebastian, yeah, clearly this is a, a subject that moves you. So the role of the state, the provision, what the state does and is expected to do for its citizens, is that changing as in Germany as a result of the, the financial crisis in no, the way no, no, that it no. is here? No, it changed before. Okay. The, the, the Social Democrats, credit to them, um, um, took on these reforms, which needed to be done because, you know, people were getting older, people were um, paying less in and taking more out. And, and, and they they changed all that and, and, and got kicked out for, for it. That's why um, Ian Duncan Smith in Britain is now copying that, that system of the one benefit, what, what, uh, what is called heart's fear. Mm-hmm. But the fact that those reforms were carried out during the good times, that's pretty crucial to the way Germany feels right now, as opposed to, to, to Britain, where many similar reforms are being pushed through in the teeth of, of extremely difficult economic times. Though, as I said earlier, I mean, in fact... Germans aren't very happy about all of this at the moment. And if you look at The Guardian's polling, Germans don't like their politicians. They're <laughs> not very comfortable about the way the country's going. They, you know, they, they're not economically very, very optimistic. Uh, they're not that different mm. from, from the British, even though they're going through what to us would be a far, far easier ride. Whinging uh, on a very high level, we call it. <laughs> <laughs> let's, move on. let's move on. Let's look forward. We're coming to the end of the, of the podcast now. Let, let's look forward. I want to look briefly, if we can, at two uh, issues here. The first, uh, the eco- economy going, going forward, Fiona. As China, India develop um, and maybe start to come through with more of the same kind of products that Germany is now more or less uniquely able to make. Where is that going to leave the German economy in the future? I think that's that's the most important question. Um, it is all about China. China is investing more and more in the same sorts of, of technology as you see uh, in use in, in Germany. You're also seeing China, you know, move more into sort of, you know, uh, the design uh, of goods and, and so on. Um, and these are roles that were traditionally uh, taken by uh, European economies by Germany. Mm. And to see China moving so fast into this space uh, is quite disconcerting uh, for German manufacturers um, because I think they thought, you know, uh, until maybe a couple of years ago that they had a comfortable sort of decade or two lead uh, in which they could, you know, uh, carry out their investments and, you know, develop new technology and mm. so on. And that's just not true. And even, you know, you can look at the science space of Europe and see what's happening in sort of research and development, what's happening in universities, and you're seeing exactly the same things now in China. Potential problems then uh, economically. Um, and just ver- the final, very briefly, if we could, uh, uh, it's obviously very important, though. Um, problems also perhaps... Socially, um, a few of the remarks um, from Angela Merkel and also other German politicians over the last few weeks, months um, about multiculturalism, the the place of of Islam in German society. Are we storing up trouble? Is Germany storing up trouble there? Sebastian? Well, if we are storing, it's the same trouble that, that the UK is storing up because she's. You, you could exchange her speech with David Cameron's on the. 
muscular liberalism, whatever it was, uh, the silly phrase that he used. I think all all of us uh, discovered that we were um, we weren't very good at integrating people. We were just good at uh, letting people get on with living the lives that they would have led back home in our countries. Um, and now with the second and third generation of immigrants, there's, there's, there's a dis- debate about how to do it better. And I think we are. We, 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 have, we have started to do it better. So I'm fairly optimistic. I'm you look to the future with confidence? I do, yes. The interesting thing, of course, is we're talking about factors which for, for about the last 20, 30 years, um, Germany uh, was told that it's outmoded, old-fashioned, you know, this, all this stability crap. You've got to have shareholder value. You've got to f- be, be able to fire people quicker and, and, and hire them quicker as well. And some of that was true and a lot of it wasn't true. And I think that gives people a, a quiet confidence, even if Martin can't discover it yet, <laughs> a quiet confidence that... that there is a certain basis on which we can proceed mm. and, and um, it can't all be wrong. I mean, Germany's social market model has actually stood the test of time better than the free market Thatcherite oh, model did. Absolutely. And so actually things look a bit better in Germany now than they did 10 or 20 years ago because it looks as though Germany's got it right and the rest of the world's got Excellent. it wrong. Brilliant. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much indeed, all three of you. Martin Kettle, Fiona Harvey, Sebastian Borger, thank you very much indeed. Uh, the producer of this podcast, thank you very much to her as well, Vivian Perry. Uh, I'm John Henley, and thank you very much for listening. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.